From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Stray Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. Oregon's primary election is May 17th and ballots have already started going out. Top of the ticket is the Oregon governor's race. It's an open race since Governor Kate Brown can't run again because of term limits. KGW partnered with the City Club of Portland recently for a debate between the leading Democratic candidates, former House Speaker Tina Kotek, and State Treasurer Tobias Reed. Next week, we'll hear from several of the leading Republican candidates. The nearly 70-minute Democratic debate has been edited in length for this show. First, here's a little bit about each candidate. Tobias Reed was elected Oregon's 29th state treasurer in 2016. Before that, he worked in the U.S. Treasury and in shoe development at Nike. He was elected to the Oregon House in 2006, where he served for a decade, representing Beaverton and parts of southwest Portland. And Tina Kotek is Oregon's former House Speaker of nearly 10 years and was the longest tenured speaker in state history. She was first elected to the House in 2006 as well. In 2013, her colleagues elected her the country's first openly lesbian House Speaker. She resigned as Speaker earlier this year to focus on her campaign for governor. We asked the candidates how they would tackle homelessness and gun violence and would they have done anything differently in handling the pandemic. Here are their answers. Polls in the Portland metro area show the issue of homelessness is the number one concern throughout the metro area. And you can't go anywhere without people talking about it. Everybody's talking about it. What's been wrong with the way the city of Portland has handled the homeless crisis? And how would your approach be different in the way the city and the state interact to try to get people off the streets? And we'll begin with Tobias on this one. I think we have to bring urgency and seriousness. It is just not okay for us um, to, to continue to, to be complacent about this. There are people on the streets in unsafe, unhealthy conditions that are not fair to them. Uh, it's not fair to people who wanna be safe in their neighborhoods and to, to businesses. And the, the challenging thing, the most frustrating thing for me is that money is available and we're not following through, we're not executing. So I think uh, it's a matter of that urgency, making sure that uh, transitional and emergency housing is uh, available with the wraparound services that people need. And in the long run, we're getting a lot more efficient and effective and, um, and cost effective in building permanent housing. Um, that's a need, obviously. And we're also losing the confidence of voters who have been supportive of funding mechanisms, but they're getting impatient. They're not seeing the, uh, the, the units that they were promised. And so our problem is going to get worse if we don't get that on, on top, on, we don't get on top of that. Uh, in the end, we have to recognize that what we are doing right now isn't working and calling together uh, governments at all levels. Uh, we shouldn't care about those jurisdictional squabbles. We've got to stop making excuses and start making progress. And a couple of follow-ups on, on this one for you, Tobias. Would you support a more assertive approach to tent camping and require people to move off the streets and into shelters? Got a quick, quick answer there. We have to make sure that there are those uh, available transitional uh, shelters and, and opportunities. But once we're there, yes, I think it is it is OK to say you have responsibilities to the other parts of, of community as well. And if you're governor, would you support the state helping to pay for those shelters? I think we have resources at the state level that we have to look at effective investments in. That's going to make it so much more possible uh, in the rest of the state. And it's not just the Portland problem, by the way, either. Uh, but yes, I think we have to look at all options. And now, uh, Tina Kotek, just once again, what is wrong with the way the 
Portland has handled the homeless crisis and how would your approach be different in the city and state interacting about this problem? Yep, this is the number one issue that I hear from Oregonians in all parts of the states that I've, that I've been traveling to. Uh, and it looks different in different communities and it is at a humanitarian crisis level in the Portland area and it's not okay. It is not moral for people to be living in tents in their RVs. And I live in Portland. I see it every day. We got to change it. At the state level, as speaker, I worked really hard to make sure we could do what we could. For example, Project Turnkey, where we converted, I led the way to convert motels across our state to get into transitional housing. We increased the shelter capacity in this state by 20% in only about seven months, 19 new shelters in 13 counties. That's the type of innovative work we need to see more of from the state. And the question about the state investing, I have led the way to make sure the state is providing more money to our local community. So what's the problem? Implementation. The adults in the so room you- have to talk to each other. And what I would say is, uh, I'm not happy with Mayor Wheeler's performance. I've worked specifically to say, here's money for an RV park. Where is it yet? When I said, you need $2 million to clean up graffiti and trash on ODOT's property, it was there. I don't believe the city is focused in a way that they should. It is about being able to operationalize it. And as governor, we're going to have some different conversations about how to make that happen. So you would be more involved as governor. Would you take a more assertive approach into tent camping? A lot of people uh, want to see that uh, happen to move people into shelters. Would you be more assertive in moving tent camping off the streets? I think we have to be more assertive in the overall approach. But when it comes to having folks move into shelters, we need more homeless navigators on the street. It's in my plan to help people have that connection and trusting relationship to get people into shelter so they can move into permanency. That will take time, but it will also take more people on the streets doing that work. Um, and uh, right now, it's you can't move people unless there are more shelter and more transitional options. We have to create those. And I am so frustrated with the speed at which the city is doing this work, and we can do it differently. And as governor, I am the only one in this race who has worked on housing, who understands the nuances of not only getting people in the shelter, getting them into permanency, building more affordable housing. And my plan will say we can end homelessness for our most vulnerable Oregonians in the next two years if we do it better. Resources aren't the only issue here. This is about people working together better. Tobias, do you want to briefly respond to a comment there about sort of as an outsider that you haven't worked sort of specifically on housing there, maybe 10 or 15 seconds? Well, I guess I would say uh, we have worked on housing. We play an important role in making sure that we uh, issue state bonds. Uh, And and if if the former speaker wants to take uh, all the credit for for working on housing, I think it's reasonable to ask how it's going. All right, let's move on to another topic that we are talking about here. I think so. Uh, I guess. Absolutely. So 30 seconds, Speaker Kote, go ahead. I think since I just had a meeting with the president yesterday, I would just say a little bit malarkey to that about what you have been doing. You haven't been in the arena working on this issue, Tobias. You just simply haven't. And if you, the people who are endorsing me and supporting my race are the folks who have done housing, housing development, shelter work. And with all due respect, you haven't been doing the work at all. Tobias? How's, how's it going? I think he, he's asking how, how, how is the homeless crisis going? Yes. How is housing people going? I think going? the question well, is how is it going to you? But governor, Tobias, it is not working because as governor, the only way to change that is be the charge of the agencies and have the, the authority 
to get local government leaders to work differently together. And you know that. So here's the interesting thing about that. You were the most if powerful governor or powerful legislator uh, in Oregon. You could summon those directors to your office at a moment's notice. Every budget uh, is a reflection of your decisions. Who has gavels in the House? Who, uh, what the agendas are in those committees are a reflection of your direction. So to now say that you could only do, that you were a lowly legislator without the effective ability to, to deal with that, I don't. I, I, don't I actually didn't say that. Tobias, what I said was, I frankly, that's a simplistic answer there. I created housing committees. I created significant investments over the top of everyone. The Senate president is notorious for saying, every time she came to my office, she wanted more money for housing and homelessness. And I'm running for governor because with those investments and with the new laws on the books, we should be doing better. And that is an indictment of the state's inability to work with local leaders to make sure those investments are actually producing outcomes. And I'm tired of it. That's why I'm running for governor. And I'm going to jump in here and just point out, too, that you are both part of the party that has been in power in this state for uh, a long time, decades here, in fact. So we're going to move on, though, to another topic that's top of mind with a lot of voters and people in general, and that is law and order. So the question is, Portland hit a grim record in 2021 with 90 homicides, the most in the city's history. This year, we are on track to pass that. 29 homicides so far. We're only at the end of April and hundreds of shootings. Now, they include everyone from a homeless man attacked downtown to a teenager, a high school student who was gunned down last weekend in southeast Portland and what police believe a drive by. The question here, what specific steps will you take as governor to address gun violence and make our streets safer? And do you feel safe walking through, for example, downtown Portland? Tina, you'll go first here. Well, thank you for the question. I know a lot of Portlanders don't feel safe. I've lived in some pretty large cities and uh, I, in terms of my personal safety, I think we all have to be cautious. There, in every city in the country right now, as we come out of this pandemic recession, there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of increase in violence. And frankly, there are too many guns on the street. When I was speaker, I did what I could to make sure we were keeping guns out of the hands of folks who shouldn't have them increasing our background checks, making sure that individuals who were domestic abusers couldn't have access to guns, passing a safe storage law that said, if you own a gun, store it safely so it can't get stolen or, or have an accidental death. Those are good, but it's not enough. We need to ban and figure out how to get ghost guns off the streets. We have to make sure that when violent in the community happens, that there's intervention and prevention to stop the cycle of violence. We need to make sure that our law enforcement can be there when they're needed, but also make sure that we have other professionals like Portland Street Response that can be there when someone's in a mental health crisis. We need a broader, deeper approach to community policing, and we have to keep folks from committing violent acts in the first place. That means supporting them well in their schools, making sure they have what they need. A lot of folks are hurting right now, and we have work to do to make sure we as a community can reduce this violence. Thank you, Tina. Tobias, same question. We need to ban ghost guns. We need to ban high capacity magazines as uh, methods of reducing the, uh, the risk of, uh, of mass shootings. We need a statewide gun buyback program to help safely remove uh, guns from, uh, from circulation. And we need more resources to law enforcement. That's gonna, I think, look different in different communities. It's certainly gonna uh, include uh, accountability measures and alternative approaches along with those violence uh, interruption programs. But ultimately, uh, we need to make sure that law enforcement has the resources they need uh, to respond, particularly to, to gun crime and to illegal gun dealers.
And let me just briefly ask you both this in terms of law enforcement and resources. Nearly two years after the death of George Floyd and all that followed after, what does defund the police mean to you today? Tina, let's go ahead with you first and maybe keep it to 45 seconds or so. I think we need law enforcement that people in the community feel safe calling and, and feel that they're responsible and accountable and making sure people don't interact with police in the first place. And that means making sure all communities have what they need to be successful. Right now, I think we have a lot of people hurting, so we need adequate police response, better community policing, and frankly, making sure folks have what they need to be successful so they don't get involved in with the police. Tobias, same question to you. What does defund the police mean to you today? Well, I think we need to learn the lessons of people who were really frustrated and, and worried about their interactions with law enforcement. And we need to take lessons from that uh, around making sure that, that police are effective and accountable. Um, someone I know uh, well says, I, I don't want less police, I want better police. And I think that's a, a good summary for me. And you're talking about racial justice reform, Tobias. What additional steps would you support? The legislature took some steps last session and this session as far as racial justice reform. What more do you want to see? I want to see body cameras on, on officers in Oregon. I think that's a first step to make sure that we have transparency and the ability to hold law enforcement accountable. And Tina, what additional steps would you take as governor when it comes to racial justice reform? Well, first of all, follow through on the significant historic legislation that was passed in 2020 and 2021 around increased accountability, transparency when people have bad conduct records, making sure training is better at the Department of Police Safety and Standards and Training. There are things we can do. And as governor, making sure that we follow through on those things. I think the, the next big thing is to make sure our public defense system is working. So when people should have legal access to representation. And right now, our public defense system needs a lot of work. I move to the pandemic now. Uh, Oregon took an aggressive approach to mask mandates and other restrictions during the height of the pandemic. It helped Oregon have one of the lowest death rates from COVID in the country, but it also divided the state. Would you have done things any differently? And moving forward, do you see a scenario in which strict restrictions could come back? We'll begin with Tina Kotek on this. Well, I will say, I think the divide was there before the pandemic, um, or at least the perceived divide from folks who live in all parts of the state. We were successful as a state early in the pandemic in keeping people alive. Some tough choices were made about asking people to stay home, wear masks, be careful. And because of that, we did so much better than other states to keep people alive. There are a lot of people walking around today because we did those things. And I think it's been more complicated as the pandemic has progressed. As governor, I think one of the key things to do to, to reduce any kind of confusion or divide is to be as clear as possible about expectations and what the science is saying about what we should do. Um, I think um, when we ask local county public officials to do these things, they were reflecting the needs of their own communities. At the end of the day, I wanna make sure that we can keep everybody safe and we're all gonna have to take personal responsibility to do what we can, get vaccinated. If you're in a situation where you think you have to wear a mask, wear a mask. We all have to be responsible for each other as well as ourselves. Is there a point, Tina, where you would ever reinstate a mask mandate? As governor, I'm going to follow the science. I want to know what the experts say. I hope we don't have another search where we have to go back to any kind of enhanced public health protocols. And as governor, one of your main priorities is to keep people safe and alive. I hope we don't have to go there, but I will follow the science to make sure we do what we can to keep people safe and healthy. 
So if the science points that way, you would reinstate a mask mandate. I think if requirement of having to wear masks, for example, in on airplanes, if it shows that we're seeing a surge around the country, I personally would support having us back wearing masks in an airplane. So I think it's what about in Oregon, Oregon, though, in general, the mask mandate that we saw before. Well, I think it depends on what the science is saying. And if it looks like the numbers are increasing and our hospital systems are failing, then yes, we need to be back to wearing masks until that, that crisis passes. And Tobias, talking about the pandemic, would you have done anything differently? And do you see a scenario in which strict restrictions could come back? I think the Gov Governor Brown deserves a lot of credit for making some tough decisions early on and putting us in a better position, as you said. But I definitely uh, felt some frustration around the um, inconsistency of communication. And as a, a parent of, of public school students, uh, I was extraordinarily frustrated when we saw bars and restaurants open before we saw schools open. So I think being really clear about our, our priorities and consistent in our communications will, will help us uh, when we need to, to make those sacrifices. I think it would be irresponsible to say that there is no scenario in which masks or other uh, mandates might be necessary, but it's certainly not my, my preference. We'll be back with more of a City Club of Portland KGW debate between the leading Democratic candidates for governor, Tina Kotek and Tobias Reed. We'll ask the candidates what they would do for rural Oregon and also hear their answers to some lightning round questions. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. We're bringing you excerpts from the Democratic governor's debate sponsored by the City Club of Portland and KGW. Let's talk about rural Oregon issues. The poorest counties in Oregon with the highest poverty rates are rural counties. They include Malheur, Wheeler, Klamath, and Lake. What plan do you have to address rural Oregon issues, which include everything from homelessness to extreme drought to not having their views adequately represented by lawmakers in Salem and to help Oregonians who live there thrive? Tobias, let's begin with you here. I was raised in Idaho, so I, I plan to take advantage of that background in talking to people. Uh, and I think it is a matter of showing up with some humility, not with the idea of saying, I'm here to, to impose a particular vision on a community. I want to hear what they perceive to be their opportunities and, and the barriers uh, to recognize that the state can play a role in removing barriers and offering uh, opportunities to states, uh, to, to individual communities in the state. There are, there are some things that will be useful all over the state, high-speed internet, for example. And then I think there are, there's great value in understanding the, the regional strengths that vary across the state. It might be precision agriculture somewhere or uh, mass timber somewhere else or offshore wind along the coast. Uh, all of those things, I think, can contribute to the idea that we have a stake in, in the wider success of the state that, that spans border to border. Tina, same question to you. Yeah, and this is a really important question. There's a lot in the question you asked. So I'm going to take a, a, a part of it. Um, I, I do feel and believe that people feel left out. They left out. They feel left out of the conversations in other parts of the state. Um, and let's not forget, we have um, some lower income communities right in the metro area. We have some very rural areas of Clackamas County, Washington County. So this idea that rural is everywhere somewhere outside of Portland, I don't think is true. So what I would say is, I think it's really important for the next governor and something that I will embrace 100% is to make sure we have everybody at the table so they feel heard. But that doesn't happen in Salem. You need to be in people's communities with them, listening, doing a lot of listening, because in most cases, local communities know how to solve their issues. They know what they're looking for. They know what they need. And as 
a state leader being a partner to make sure they have whatever that's, you know, reducing red tape or getting a certain amount of, of seed money to kind of start a new project. Those are the things that a state leader can do. As governor, I want to spend less time in Salem, more time around the state, working with individuals and leaders who know what they need and just need a little bit more of a helping hand from the state. Hey, candidates, take a breath. It's time now for the lightning round. Ah, in this section, we ask you to keep your responses to no more than one word or phrase, depending on the question. So I'll begin with Tina Kotek. What do you do on your day off when you take a day off? Go to the movies. <laughs> and uh, Tobias. I am on the sidelines at the uh, Little League game or the Rec Soccer League for our kids. And Tobias, who is a leader you admire most? Hard to say most, but someone I really admire uh, in general, uh, Governor Roberts, and I'm, I'm happy to have her support in, uh, in this race. And Tina? Oh, I think locally, one of the people I look up to is uh, the late Vera Katz. Her a time in the legislature being the first female speaker and just the way that she ran Portland, you know, kept the city from flooding. I and mean, she was amazing. And I, I like her can-do attitude and her steeliness. Uh, it's something I admire. We appreciate your enthusiasm there. It was more than one sentence, though, which is what we asked for here. But we're going to move on. One word or phrase. Uh, Tina, this is you first. What is one word to describe Oregon right now? One word right now? It is always beautiful. Tobias. Uh, strained. Tobias, the first thing you did when the mask mandate was lifted. Uh, wow. I think probably just being uh, uh, inside and, and happy to be with some other people. I know that's not a word, but uh, what, not a single word, but hard to, hard to come up with one. Tina? We hadn't been eating out a lot. I took my wife out for a nice Valentine's Day. Event. All right, Tina, give us one word or phrase to describe yourself. Persistent. And Tobias? Uh, collaborative. And Tobias, one word or phrase to describe your opponent, Tina. Driven. And Tino, how would you describe in one word or phrase, Tobias? Friendly. Tina, what's your vision as governor in one word? Opportunity. Tobias. If it's if we can have a phrase, I would say uh, shared ambition. Okay, two words. That's all right. And Tobias, what is the last book you read? Oh, the last book uh, was a, a fiction uh, book called uh, Great Circle uh, about a, a, a woman who was an aviator in the 50s, 30s, 40s, 50s. Tina, last book? I have a lot of books half read, but the one I actually finished most recently was Being Mortal by Atoka One Day. Good book. And your favorite restaurant in Oregon, Tina? Oh, there's too many. I'm going to name my favorite in North Portland, which would be uh, Swift and Union. And Tobias? Top Burmese. <laughs> and your favorite pandemic binge watch, Tobias? Uh, the Durls in Corfu, uh, a, a PBS uh, masterpiece series. <laughs> Tina? Midnight Mass. On Netflix. All right, just a couple more here, Tita. Your favorite rural town or spot in Oregon? 
Oh, wow. Um, there's so many. There's so many. It has to be someone at the coast. Uh, so I will say I really like Rockaway Beach. And Tobias? You're getting us in trouble here, picking one. Uh, I, I, guess, I guess I'd say I, I have a lot of fond memories of uh, uh, Baker. And, and when I was growing up, it was Baker, not Baker City. But, uh, but whether it's Baker or Baker City. Well, I did not say you had to answer the question, but we've got <laughs> answers for both of you here. Last one here, Tobias, your favorite guilty pleasure dessert, because let's face it, I'm getting hungry. Maybe you mm -hmm. are too. Sure. Um, well, it's it's hard to beat uh, the, the mint chip ice cream. Mm. Tina? Mm. Let's go with chocolate cream pie from Sherry's. Let's do. You can watch the entire debate on KGW's YouTube channel. Next week, you'll hear from five of the leading Republican candidates in the Oregon governor's race. We'll see you then for Straight Talk.